Welcome everyone to the Garden Nerd Tip of the Week podcast, where garden nerds from around the world talk shop, share stories, and offer their favorite tip. I'm your host, Christy Wilhelmy. Today, I have the pleasure of talking with Marcus Bridgewater, or Garden Marcus, as you may know him on social media. He has more than 600,000 followers out there and is the author of the new book, How to Grow, Nurture Your Garden, Nurture Yourself. Marcus is the CEO and founder of Choice Forward, a wellness company focused on empowering individuals and strengthening communities. He joins us today from Houston, Texas. Welcome to the podcast, Marcus. Uh, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to talk to you. I just finished reading your book yesterday, and I know it, it didn't it just come out? Well, we're recording this at the end of May, and it just mm -hmm. came out, didn't it? It just came out on Tuesday, uh, May 24th. Awesome. All right. So people can find that wherever books are sold, I assume. Yes, ma'am, they can. Okay. All right. Well, right off the bat, I have to ask, because you mentioned something early on in the book about having 150 houseplants. Is that true? Or are you just like <laughs> making uh, that up? <laughs> um, it's, it's broaching 250 now. Um, oh we've God. jumped up a whole nother set. Um, yeah, I have a ton of plants. Um, we're actually, uh, I, I'm, I'm in zone 9B, uh, north of Houston, Texas, and I'm able to, um, support several tropical types of plants, several subtropical types of plants. So the hardiness zone really enables me to have a lot of different kinds of philodendrons, a lot of different vines, uh, all kinds of various pothos. And then you have your, all, your different types of bromeliads, um, ferns and palms, lots of calatheas and orchids. I have all kinds of plants. So the, the house and the space is filled with plants. And I wish our listeners could see this, but you'll send me some pictures for the blog post <laughs> that behind you is two windows, but they're just hanging with vines and, and indoor plants. It's gorgeous. I love it. Thank you. Thank you. Much appreciated. <laughs> it is uh, a lot of work to maintain, and it has been a lot of work to get to this point, but every step of the way has been incredibly rewarding. And uh, to have a forest both inside and outside feels really, really soothing. So I enjoy every moment of it. Nice. Well, you started gardening as a child, from what I understand. So plants have been really a part of your life for a long time. In fact, from what I understand, you are known as the plant rescuer. Is that true? <laughs> <laughs> uh, to some, I've been known as a plant rescuer for a long time. That was really how uh, I took the infancy of my gardening to its next stage. Originally, you know, I was gifted those 16 plants and I lost more than half of them. Mm -hmm. Within two months, I was desperate to keep the rest alive. And then once I was able to keep those alive, someone mentioned to me something about all of the discounted plants in the area. So I went around and collected hundreds of those. And those were all types of rescue because many of those were considered trash. And watching them come back to life was both nurturing for the spirit and also educational for the mind. And so how has this, this experience with gardening early on influenced your journey to this point? I know that's a big question. <laughs> uh, it's influenced it in a lot of ways. I was very blessed to have had that influence of the garden early because it gave me a connection to nature and 
reminded me throughout my life of a kind of consistency. But there was a point in my life where I will say I joined the world in the nine to five grind. I got on that train and the train doesn't necessarily stop for us to smell the roses. <laughs> so uh, as I was grinding on the train, um, I lost touch with nature for a little bit. But once I got my own home and I was really put on this path of uh, collecting the plants, I started surrounding myself with it. And that's when it was like, oh, I'm, I'm reconnecting with something I used to be deeply connected to. And it feels really good. Let me try and stay here for a little while. You guys can go on, on to the next stop on the train without me. Just I'll, I'll catch up. I'll catch up. And is that where uh, Garden Marcus was born? <laughs> In a lot of ways, yes. Uh, where the grind of the hustle and bustle was pushing, uh, the encouragement from my loved ones, my family, my friends, uh, and Dana, the other side of Choice Forward, uh, she really encouraged me to take the time that I was taking in the garden and share that with other people. And so it was like for the first time, the, the place that I had gotten off the train was actually a place that I could share with others. And it, it became a really magical moment. So I think so. Yeah. Well, this book uses gardening as a metaphor for how to care for ourselves, which is was a surprise to me because years ago I started writing a book with the same idea, but I realized really quickly that I was not the right person to write that book, <laughs> but you are, you are definitely oh, the right person. That's so sweet. Thank you. Sure. Well, I, you know, I spent five minutes on your TikTok channel and I felt better about the world <laughs> instantly. <laughs> um, so I have to ask, you know, what keeps you in a positive frame of mind with all that's going on in the world? You know, uh, one of the things is that I, it, it's, a, it's a multifaceted thought process to answer it. And I'll try and answer it as consistent and, and concisely as possible. I think that it has to do with moderation. The tool of information is incredibly powerful, but that same tool can become a vice if we don't use it with discipline and moderation. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I talk about tool versus vice in, in the uh, work and it applies to so many things. And so with the state of the world being what it is, if you find yourself being overwhelmed, well, maybe it's time to take a walk through a park. Maybe it's time to go and reconnect with a plant or two or, or reground yourself in nature. And so I find that I'm doing that regularly. And so it means that despite being bombarded with shenanigans and foolishness, uh, I, I find that yeah. I can think of a plant in my mind as I'm answering and it literally is, is able to give peace and thoughts of growth, energy of peace and um, life to whoever it is I'm speaking to, regardless of the depths of depravity we might have to discuss at that particular time. Yeah, and I think that your lessons throughout the book uh, are really inspiring because it certainly is, for some of us, myself included, we take better care of our plants than we do of ourselves. And oh, yeah. so you use this gardening as metaphor throughout to address those issues and other things and we'll we'll talk more about that uh, <laughs> as we go through this this conversation so on this podcast we talk a lot about growing vegetables and fruits because those mm -hmm. are my topics of expertise but when it comes to house plants i 
kill those. Uh, <laughs> I just, you know, it's funny because people will be like, here, have this plant. I'm like, you don't know what you've just done. You don't really know. Don't, don't give no. me house plants. I will right. kill them. So I wanted to bring you on the show to talk about house plants uh, and other things that we don't eat. Um, mm -hmm. Because for, there are people who consider th themselves black thumbs and I know mm. you have advice. What would you like to say to them? Well, first is, um, again, a dichotomy you'll, you'll get expanded on in the book. But uh, if you think you have a black thumb, what's, the chances are you've created a barrier. And that barrier is going to keep you from learning the lesson necessary of being able to help the plant grow in the future. So when it comes to the idea of being bad at growing something, I think that you probably haven't failed enough times to figure out what you did wrong. Right. So I'm going to say, try again and try again and try again. You're like, I tried a hundred times. I know. And it might not be till 110 that you figure it out, but you got to keep trying. And, and that's where I think the lessons uh, come into play. The more you focus on learning lessons on every choice you make, the more you're going to develop a repertoire of information to pull from so you can just keep finding solutions and so i think that's the difference between the people who think that they have black thumbs quote unquote and the people who are uh seen as having green thumbs chances are the green thumbs have killed a ton of plants <laughs> and right. just kept trying yeah it's true it's always a surprise to me when i i help someone plant a garden and then one season later they say oh, everything died or something ate it, I gave up. And I'm like, wait a minute, you haven't, you just got started. You haven't <laughs> failed enough to have gotten to the success part. Exactly, exactly. And on top of that, how it, how, you know, years of, of training stack up to so much experience that all of a sudden the overwhelming moments don't seem so overwhelming anymore, but you have to actually have put in that time to outweigh the, the moments of catastrophe. So um, <laughs> I, I, I see that in nature all the time because you, know, you think about how many things come back year to year. My sweet potato is a perfect example. That plant is hardy. Yeah. And I mean, we went through incredible amounts of cold and you would think that this plant's gone, but sure enough, it just comes right back. But if you gave up and you were just like, oh, I failed, it's, it, it, it died, the cold took it, and you didn't appreciate the fact that it was actually still growing underneath the soil, you completely miss so much um, growth that you have access to right there in front of you. Yeah, the opportunity is vast, right? Mm -hmm. Now... Uh, you've shared a lot of advice within the pages of how to grow, like growth cannot be forced, only fostered. Mm -hmm. um, what's one thing you think people will find most helpful for themselves and for their gardens? I think that people will find slowing down and practicing awareness really, really helpful for themselves and for their gardens. I think a lot of us think that we're aware. I think a lot of us are saying to ourselves, oh, I know, right? <laughs> but they actually haven't stopped long enough to really know. And so uh, I challenge everyone to take a moment and really look at the roots of your plant, look at the stem of your plant, look under the leaves of your plant, 
look at every leaf of the plant, mm-hmm. you, you'll be so surprised at what you start to see after you really slowed down to look. And the same can be said about yourself. When was the last time you really looked your body over, right? Mm-hmm. Looked at yourself from head to toe slowly and not just took for granted what your legs are doing and where your arms are, but actually took a moment to look at your elbows. Um, <laughs> so uh, that I think will add so much worth and um, reward to someone's life and to their feeling and to their, their sense of well-being. Because when you stop to pay that kind of close attention, you develop a, a deeper connection and a, and a more genuine bond with whatever it is you're paying attention to. And so that could be your companion, which could be 100,000 plants. <laughs> 250 or... <laughs> plants now and counting. And counting. <laughs> Or it could be yourself. Um, And, you know, a lot of times I think that we are our first companion in many ways because we have to navigate this world and take this body around through many different uh, circumstances and different settings and uh, climates. And I think a lot of times we stop communicating with with it. We stop taking uh, it and and nourishing it, treasuring it and and treating it like it was um, something to be really honored and um, upheld. So with that in mind, the more you stop and pay close attention and and a practice awareness, I think the more you honor yourself and the things around you and the more you will stimulate growth as a byproduct. Yeah. And the first rule of permaculture, not permaculture. Yeah. Permaculture. The first rule of permaculture is observation. And so that, that applies here, I think too. Mm-hmm. Um, I have so many questions in my mind that are coming up as you're, as you're speaking. You talked in the book about spending time in a monastery. What made you decide to do that? I'm so curious. Oh man. Well, you know, life has its incredible uh, twists and turns. And I talk somewhat in the um, book about opportunity and how opportunity is literally everywhere. Mm-hmm. And really you cut yourself off from the opportunity with negative perceptions and, and preconceived notions and judgments. Uh, so as I was going through the parts of my life where I was discussing love and I was discussing what the ideals of love meant to me and, and what the difference between love and fear were and, and the complexities of love and fear and light and darkness and life and death and life in the world, uh, I was took on a journey of having conversations with multiple people. And some of those conversations led me to this monastery who invited me to stay for a bit. And it just turned out that I happened to be there at the right time where I could learn and also provide them with um, my brain power. Uh, And it turned out to be an incredibly beneficial um, experience for me. And they tell me thank you all the time. And so the idea that I could have been helpful to them is is incredibly humbling. And I, I feel honored and thankful for that because, you know, they're doing um, work to try and help their community as much as they can. So to just be in a place where I could be in a, as a conduit of growth in that setting was uh, pretty, pretty special. Uh, but again, it happened all because I was seizing the opportunities at hand to have a conversation with anyone who would listen and anyone who would uh, be willing to 
uh, respond. You know, you, you talk about love and fear and you sound kind of kooky. And I'm like, but I'm trying to get to the root of life. Oh. Right. And, <laughs> and you, you talk in the book about the difference between value and worth, which is another mm-hmm. thing that hit mm. me upside the head. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> I'm trying to prove myself and make myself worthy when it's all about value or reverse, you know, it's like, Rever- exactly, yeah, exactly. Reverse. The reverse. Right. Can you, can you just shed a little light Shuttle, on that? Okay, sure. I know I'm not um, the only one doing this. No. And you know, this was, um, th- this, this was a part of the series of thoughts that I feel so, so blessed to be able to put into words. Um, to share with the world, because I think this is at the root of the problem across the world. Um, uh, so to just give context to it for the sake of it, life is the, the energy inside of us. It is our mind, our body, our spirit. It is how we affect community and environment. And life is our worth. So we are all filled with worth if we work on our mind, our body, and our spirit, our mental health, physical fitness, spiritual awareness. The world has been constructed in a way that now it focuses on value. Mm -hmm. So the world only rewards money and it rewards uh, assets. So the more assets and the more money you have, the more convenience you have access to, the more you influence the way the world runs. But what that's done is that's made it so that the world doesn't necessarily care about life. Mm -hmm. And the world was created to make life better. So disconnect somebody to disconnect right so in that what's happened is a lot of people i feel like have now started to sacrifice the worth they are filled with so that they can try and and grasp even the most minute amount of value Mm -hmm. and so the fight between value and worth has become so real that now most of us feel worthless and don't know why Mm-hmm. and none of us have had our worth rewarded you stop to help someone and it doesn't make you a dollar so to help someone doesn't actually feed the value of the world so it seems like it's not even worth your time mm-hmm. and that again adds some really crazy contradictions to the way life is and and why we why i think so much of our youth is feeling incredibly worthless um especially as they compare themselves to social media and to things that don't need to be compared, don't need to even be considered, but they're bombarded with images and thoughts. And so it's up to what I think the adults and and to the industries in the world, to the world, to do a better job of trying to foster life. And the way I think we do that is by making uh, worth valuable. That's right. And so to move on in your mission, because the book is divided into mind, body, and spirit, and you talk about community in the same mm-hmm. way that I talk about our ecosystem, you know, creating that ecosystem around your garden so mm-hmm. that it supports what you're trying to grow. Uh-huh. It's such a metaphor for life. And like, you have to create your community <laughs> in the same way. So uh-huh. the garden is a community. So in, in what way are you trying to encourage people to foster community or are you doing it yourself? I'm doing it myself and I'm encouraging people to do it all the time. Um, in, in every scale, I think life is filled with um, scales of, of magnification. So microcosm to macrocosm in so many ways. Um, and so just like we are the gardeners of, of our plants and our yard, we so too are the gardeners of our community and of the uh, garden of life. And so with that, to foster 
good community, I think we have to be conscious of the environments that exist. All environments can't be the same. Uh, and so we must nurture the environments where they are as they are to perfect them and be conscious about that. So each person must use the agency within them and apply that agency to see the responsibility they have to nurture their environment where they are, right? So that's one part. Mm -hmm. The other part is um, sharing kindness, patience, and positivity so that we can foster stronger connections between each other. And, and when we do that, I think that we will see the bonds make for a stronger community. And when we have stronger communities and healthier environments, we will see the ecosystem balance in a way that I think is super healthy and just promotes growth in all kinds of ways. I think we as human beings have uh, such unique capabilities to insert change in, in, in incredible ways. And we're doing it all the time, every single one of us, even those of us who are the poorest of us and are living on the street, we are asserting change in this world in, in incredible ways. And the more we are conscious of how we are affecting our world, the more we're conscious of the use of that effect and we try and steer it in a way that is productive, not just valuable, I think we'll see some really positive changes to the fostering of community. Yeah, and you mentioned something about that awareness of community, again, using gardening as a metaphor with the, you know, you did something to something in your garden and you realized the change, there was sort of a domino effect uh -huh. that mm -hmm. happened. Do you remember, I'm sorry, I'm not remembering I, the specific example, but you probably have one. I think what we're talking about was um, one of my compost stages, the effect that ricocheted from my citrus compost into the rest of the garden. That's right, um, yes. And it, it cost me like a year and a half of growth. <laughs> um, right, so the and, observation you experienced was what? Um, that our effects are so widespread, um, sometimes we don't see them immediately. And when you do see them, if you wait to do something, it could cost you that much more. Mm -hmm. So so trying to be proactive when you see something happening and then being proactive is one part, but finding the source of whatever it is and, and making sure that you like can get to that source. So what it did, it showed me that I have to be really conscious of who or what I'm doing because I could invite someone to the garden that enjoys what I'm doing, but is not necessarily there to help the entirety of the garden. Right. And in this case, it was grubs, right? It was grubs. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, so you put citrus peels in your garden, in your compost bin, and it invited in. I, I, I had actually taken all of my citrus, which we had amounted to about uh, five and a half gallons. Oof, and okay. <laughs> I had condensed it all and put holes in the, in, in the bucket to have it get aerated through the soil. And it just so happens that uh, a neighboring tree had had a grub mite thing. And so mm -hmm. they had literally went through there and nested inside of the compost of citrus in the container. And, and because most of the other creatures in the garden can't deal with citrus, it was like no one had anything to fight them and to balance what they were doing. So they were helping decompose the citrus, but 
but they were also like, well, now we can just decompose everything. They spread like, into your soil and started uh, eating roots of things. Everything. Right. And it was like, oh no, how did I do this? <laughs> this was, this is, what, what, what have I done? Uh, so uh, with some really diligent work and some really conscious, conscious effort, I was able to spin the curve back in a healthy direction. But I'm also conscious that it took me hours and hours and hours and hours and hours and hours and hours of work I wouldn't have had to do if I hadn't have done that. And so, you know, it's a, it's it's part of the reason why I feel like the garden began to expand so much in the last few years, because I had already, like, I'd gone through this stage where I had the garden in a really good place, then I screwed it up for a little while, mm-hmm. then I had to take a while to, like, get it back to good. Once I got it back to good, now it's good, and it's like, all right, expand, yeah! Yes, 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 yes. So you didn't give up, and that's important, right? Yes, ma'am. All right, well, it is tip time. Do you have okay. a favorite tip you'd like to share with the Garden Nerd audience? You know, I, one of my tips that uh, has <laughs> really... Um, done a number for my plants and for myself uh, is how I water them. So a lot of my plants, I do a thing called bottom watering, where I water the roots, not the top layer of soil. And that's helped with my indoor uh, bug problem in in an incredible way. So most of the indoor bugs nest in the top one to two inches of soil. So when you water that one to two inches of soil, you can't get around them. So by bottom watering and also bottom soaking, this season limited my gnats by almost 90%. Oh, that's such a great idea. Yeah, because fungus gnats live in the soil and the only mm -hmm. way to really get rid of them is to desiccate them by not watering, but you still Uh have to water your plants. Bottom watering. Bottom watering, yes. How did I never think of that? (laughs) So with that in mind, right, being conscious of how you bottom water is what I would say to think about because there are several different techniques. And uh, someday I hope to expand on all seven of the techniques I've been using, but I think that's not the time for now. But bottom watering is the advice I would give as my tip because it has had a profound effect and I hope it helps others out there grow their indoor plants easily. You have seven techniques for watering? For oh yeah, for for <laughs> <laughs> between between string, um, cup and uh, tube and terracotta spike, um, and then you also have straw. There's like a lot of different like methods of getting the water down into the bottom of the plant. Okay. Some of the bottom watering goes from the top. I need to know a little more about this. So string. How do you water using string? Um, So string is porous. Mm -hmm. And so by having the string in water, the string will wet itself and pull the water up the string, moistening the soil just there around it. Wicking action. Okay. Yeah. Wicking, reverse wicking. (laughs) Very cool. And uh, you said a couple of other options in there too. So straw, what do you do with straw to ensure watering or use it for watering um so there's different ways that i use straws um and and some of those are um some of those are are just for the measuring of the water and then the others are to get the 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 point of contact with the water in the middle of the plant Ah. and so to send the water right with the drip 
through the straw into that space in the plant to know that the top's not getting watered and the bottom won't get logged. Got it. Oh God, how clever. All right. Well, this is maybe why I've killed a lot of plants inside. Because <laughs> I don't know your seven, your seven uh, um, I, 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 uh, Most of these have come from uh, just experimenting and just random ch challenges of like trying things. Um, several of these I've seen people say, well, no, sh I've, no, no kidding. I've been using this for years. And I'm like, well, I found this out by like pure chance and like reason of just, you know, practice over time. And a couple of them were just by necessity. It's like, how do I do this? Like, what do I do to feed just this portion of soil, <laughs> given that it's a six inch planter and the top two and the bottom two don't need water, but the middle two, what? That makes no sense. Plant, how is it? So then you think about how rainforests work and you're like, man, there is some really incredible action happening in the soil where you got plants rooting in different spaces so that they get the water they need, other plants get the water they need and they can all cohabitate. It's, it's brilliant. That's very cool. Thank you so much, Marcus, for being on the Garden Nerd Tip of the Week podcast and for um, sharing that great tip or all of those great tips. <laughs> I thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. All right. So how do people find you? Uh, you can find me all over social media on TikTok at Garden Marcus, on Instagram at Garden underscore Marcus. You can find um, our YouTube channel is Choice Forward and our Facebook is Choice Forward. We also have GardenMarcus.com and ChoiceForward.com. All right, garden nerds, you'll find links to how to grow at GardenNerd.com this week. We'll also share links to Marcus's website and social media feeds. That's it for this week. Subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcast or wherever you listen. Visit us for tons of free gardening information at GardenNerd.com. Show your support for this podcast and the other free stuff on Garden Nerd by becoming a Patreon subscriber. And you'll find us on Instagram and Twitter under GardenNerd1, on Facebook as GardenNerd.com, and of course, our Garden Nerd YouTube channel. Happy gardening!